This morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be reading about the salt and the light. I'll be in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13. You can turn there or it will be on the screens. You are the salt of the earth. But if the, earth, if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. God. Good morning. I'm glad to be here this morning and to share with you from uh, that wonderful text what we are going to be doing this morning. You, you may, we're going to take one short stop in the book of, uh, uh, book of Deuteronomy. It's probably where you are doing your early morning devotional reading anyway. Uh, we are going to be, we're going to be looking at one small verse in the book of Deuteronomy and then we'll be spending the rest of our time looking at the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Um, but uh, what I want us to begin to consider this morning is this. Um, I, I want to confront or I want to confess, one of the two, maybe both things at the same time, confront and confess uh, a misunderstanding that a lot of people have about God and about his word and about his purposes in the world. Uh, because I think a lot of people have um, fallen under the false assumption that although God being holy and great and mighty and perfect, and then God gives his word, his instruction to us. I, I think there are a lot of people that read the pages of the Old Testament and even the pages of the New. But particularly in the Old Testament when they think about God's law and the requirements that God has. That it just seems like it's too much. That God revealing, that God sharing kind of what things are like for him or what he absolutely desires. I think a lot of people look at God and he is that maybe unintentional because you know how much he loves and how much he cares. But his expectations for us are just, just way too high. That dad that loves you, that mom that cares about you, that really even wants the best for you. But in terms of her own expectations, you'll never really measure up. Come home with anything less than an A or 100%, and in the end, sure, they're not going to kick you out, but you know that even though they say they love you, they're a little disappointed, right? And I think that's how people look at the Bible, and I think that's how people look at God. It's how they look at his law that was given to us. And so I want to begin with this question, like, is the law of Moses too hard for us? Is it a standard that there's just no way that we could ever measure up to? Because here's one of the things that matters. If that is true, that God gave us a standard, that God has an expectation, that there's no way, no way at all, that we could ever measure up to, then what's the point? It seems rather self-defeating. And if that is your view of God, now I understand why you feel defeated all the time. Now I know why you, you walk around wondering if you've just disappointed God one more time. The majority of Christians that I meet, and I'm one of us, so I know how it feels, literally it is day after day after day of failure. Because we knew what to do, and we fell short. And, and, and the law is there to just remind us of that. Is that how you see it? 
Well, the, here's the, the problem with that. If, if that is actually true, then there are some words from Deuteronomy that don't make sense. And, and so you, you can either turn there or you can look at it on the screen. This is what Moses says about the law. He's doing it in Deuteronomy. He is in the plains of Moab. And the children of Israel are about to enter into the land. But it's the next generation. These aren't the ones who experienced God's liberation from Egypt. This is their children. This is the next generation. Truly, an entire generation because of their rebellion against God. So rebellion is true. Because they decided to sin against God. Sin is true. It is a real thing that has very real consequences. And an entire generation dies in the desert. So, so it's not like our, our belief that God has an eye expectation and that people, it's not like that comes out of nowhere. No, we, we, we get it in Scripture. I get it in my own life. And so Moses gathers the children of Israel who don't remember what it was like to be at Mount Sinai when that's when the, the kind of the first marriage between God and his people happened where the law was read and these are the commands of the Lord your God and we will, we will do these things. Um, and then Moses is now giving the law again. So Deuteronomy literally just means like the second reading, right? The second reading of the law. And he's giving it to the children, but this is how he ends it. Deuteronomy chapter 30 Verses 11 through 14. This might surprise you, or maybe you've been here long enough, you've heard us reference this. Moses says, this command, and I I just want to make a very brief statement here. Notice the singularity of that. This command. Well, aren't there like 613 laws? Well, sure. Doesn't that kind of just get narrowed down to like the great 10, the great, the Decalogue, the great 10 words, the great 10 commandments? Well, sure. Doesn't that get kind of narrowed down into two simple things, love God with all your heart and soul and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself, doesn't it? Yeah, well, sure. There, that's why it is a singularity. There is this, this command that I'm giving you. It is all of these commands is essentially one command, which is to love the Lord your God and to love him by being faithful to him. Okay? Obedient, faithful to him. So Moses says, this command, which we consider to be too difficult, this command that I give you today is certainly, what does it say? Read it out loud. What does it say? Not too difficult. For some of you, you're going, I, I, don't, I didn't even know this was in the Bible. I've never even seen that before. I've heard preachers say that God gave us the law to kind of give us one way to please him, and then if we can't measure up to that, then he'll provide grace. Well, actually, he knows all things. And he's known all things from the very beginning, so he understood how all of this worked. He knew Israel would be faithless. He knew that there would be a remnant that would be faithful. He knew you and your response to him. Moses says, this command that I give you today is certainly not too difficult or beyond your reach. It is not in heaven, so that you have to ask, who will go up to heaven and get it for us? And by the way, heaven there just literally means like up into the sky, that they could, they, could never, they could never get that far. And proclaim to us so that we may follow it. And it is not across the sea, so that you have to ask, who will cross the sea to get it for us? And proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. So it's, it's not too far away. We don't have to ask anybody else to go get it. Why? Because God came here to reveal it. You see, this is why the children of Israel considered the law that God gave them as a gift. We could not go there to get it. And so he, in his kindness, God reached down and he brought it to us. 
This isn't Moses making this up. This is not a sociological experiment. This isn't a group of people gathering together and say, how shall we govern ourselves? No. God gives it. So look at verse 14. But the message is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, so that you may follow it. Huh. Like that's the law of Moses. That that's God's expectation. No, no, this is what this is where we get into a little bit of a problem. So you're telling me it's not hard? Then explain to me why so many people failed it. Explain to me my own life experience where I seem to fail it regularly. Listen, um, this, by the way, comes at a time in God's plan of salvation where thousands of years has, have, have existed already. Right? Abraham has lived and died. Noah has lived and died. Adam and Eve have lived and died. Um, by this time, Joseph, who was a wonderful young man, full of integrity and character, didn't even have the law of Moses. And so for thousands of years, people have lived and died. Um, and and, and this, is, this is an important piece. And they needed God all along. They needed him to make them. He, they needed him to sustain them. They needed grace which is just this idea of God being kind and God being good and God being generous. This is who God is. He is good and he is kind and he is generous. He is not overbearing. Brother, sister, this morning I want more than anything else for you to get a picture of God that is clearly revealed in the scriptures where God knows you. And he knows your brokenness. And so he reaches down to us and he gives us instruction. He gives us something that is good. He gives us something that is a revelation of who he is, his law, and a guide for us to, to live in a way in which, number one, we please him by being faithful in obedience. And then number two, we, we really do learn how to Treat one another with kindness and respect. How many of you are glad that you haven't been like killed or murdered? Raise your hand if, you, if you're glad. Yeah. And, and, and for those days where something, someone hasn't broken into your car and stolen something. Grateful? Yeah, me. I'm really grateful for those things. I'm grateful for, for, for simple laws that God gives us that have deeply shaped our thinking. And so God does this because he loves and he cares for us. He gives us instruction. But this morning isn't about Moses. And so it's, it's easy for us to look at the expectations of the Old Testament and think it's too difficult. Moses seems to think it's not. So, so by the way, when you look at the, this command I give to you, and it looks at everything in its entirety, you can even look at almost the first five books of the Old Testament, but particularly Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, these four books um, that describe not just the coming out of Egypt, but God's law that he gives to his people had within it those times in which we failed. An explanation of the entire sacrificial system. What, what, what to do when things went wrong, when there was brokenness that existed within the community or within a family or within an individual. So the law is not just this, this arbitrary statement that God makes to just remind you that you'll never measure up. 
No, God knows we'll never measure up because of the sin that exists in the world and the sin that exists in our own lives and the sin that exists in our very own nature. And then he says, I'm going to give you something. You're not going to do it perfectly. No, you'll need my grace. You will need my kindness. This is in the earliest times of human history. But, but I'm more interested in Jesus. And so what, what happens is, is, if this is our view of God, sure, Jesus is a lot better. But I've, I've had Christians actually say to me, it is just very, very difficult. I know Jesus' commands. I know Jesus' demands. I know Jesus' expectations. And actually, they're hard too. How many of you have felt the weight of just Jesus' expectation for you? Now, now, it might not be as strict or as stringent or as difficult or as demanding as God and the law. No, it's more personal, but sometimes more personal expectations can be that much more difficult. Because we know that Jesus has commanded us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And how many of you just feel like you've measured up to that? Like Jesus gives some rather strong and very, rather specific commands. So it, it's, well, here's what we do. We, we kind of already have this view of God and, and Jesus. I know he died for us, but he gives us these commands and these demands and these expectations how many of you have felt like the teachings of Jesus are just too hard for you? You're like the little boy that went up to his dad and said at the age of 14, I'm just so tired of being good all the time. To which the dad responded back. This may or may not be me and my son Mackenzie. The dad responded back. but said, well, obviously you're not too tired because I can think of a lot of times in which you didn't even try. So it's, it's, not like, it's not like you've lived the perfect life, son, but, but I also understood what he was talking about. It is, it is sometimes just so hard to be good and to be good all the time, especially when um, you're at that stage in your life where you just see other people deciding to not be good anymore, when they've decided to just completely surrender themselves and, and so Jesus comes to us, and in the same way that Moses gathers the children of Israel and recites the commands of God, I believe Matthew is doing something very similar in his gospel. Very early in the gospel, Jesus gathers a crowd, and then particularly his disciples, on the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. It's known as the Sermon on the Mount. It's really not, I've been there, it's not, a, it's not like a big mountain, but it definitely uh, there is an incline that comes up from the Sea of Galilee. And the crowds, if you look at Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, the crowds gather around him, and as Jesus sees this, this crowd, this multitude of people that are there, he then, almost like Moses, a greater Moses, the ultimate Moses, he begins to teach the people, but specifically it says he began to teach his disciples. A disciple is someone who wants to follow, someone who has, in essence, like signed up, right? Signed up. I want to follow you. I want you to teach me, and I'll listen to your instruction. I want you to model for me life, and I will take my life, and I will follow your instruction, and I will build my life around the way that you live. And so Jesus is speaking to these disciples in this Sermon on the Mount. And if you know the Sermon on the Mount, it begins with a series of blessings. 
kind of in a general way. Blessed are the, and then it just kind of says it, blessed are the poor in spirit. And blessed are those who mourn, and blessed are those who are humble, and blessed are those who uh, hunger and thirst for righteousness, whoever you are. It's like he's casting down these general truths that are for anyone who is um, poor in spirit. I want you to know that you are blessed, that the Lord has blessed you, that the Lord looks upon your character, your nature, you're a peacemaker, and the Lord looks down on you, and, and the Lord blesses you for that and then all of a sudden things begin to change in verse 11 in verse 11 all of a sudden we see this switch from the blessed are those to the blessed are you it's like it's that it's that switch to the you where now all of a sudden he's not just offering general instruction He's now giving specific instruction to his disciples. He's talking directly to them. Blessed are you, he says, when they insult you and they persecute you and they falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad because you're blessed and rejoice because you're blessed because your reward is great in heaven for that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And and so all of a sudden, it's not just a general statement about a great quality of life that God looks down in favor upon, but all of a sudden, what Jesus is doing here is he is letting his disciples know that when you start following me, when you start allowing my teaching to infect and affect you, when you allow my instruction to govern you and you begin to model your life after mine, you will slowly separate and distance yourself from everyone else around you. And and the world does not like that. The the, the world is going to look at you and you're going to be, you're going to be different. Most people consider the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus' instruction, his manifesto, on what his counterculture is going to look like. There have been many famous uh, people, even those in uh, quite strong political power or social influence who have looked at the teachings teachings of Jesus, and they've seen these as clearly countercultural. And and I want to remind us this morning that Jesus isn't just giving like an alternative way of living. He's not just coming along and going, hey, have you noticed your world is really messed up? Like it's a really broken world that you live in. Have you noticed that? How many of you have noticed the world's broken? We've noticed the world is broken. I'm going to give you a way to fix it. I want to give you a way to fix it. Like this is the way a fixed world would look. Although that's true, it's only true because of what Jesus has spoken. Jesus isn't giving a counter-cultural, revolutionary manifesto as much as he is saying, this is what it looks like to know that God is real and that I am his son. That God is in fact the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth, and I am his king being sent, his anointed one, his Messiah being anointed to come and to, uh, to, to, to build a, a kingdom. And this is what it looks like to live under me. This is what it looks like. And, and hear me, it is by its nature revolutionary. It is by its nature countercultural. Why? Because the world lives for itself. The world follows the instruction of what pleases me, what benefits me. And then you have the Sermon on the Mount, which, by the way, is not, and this is how we benefit society. And this is how, although there will be a benefit to society, 
It's what? This is what it looks like to follow me. And, and the biggest thing he says, and th- these are important verses, are the verses that Justin read to us this morning, is that when we follow Jesus, we fundamentally change who we are, or probably better said, that by the power of the Spirit and our submission to the ways and to the purposes of God, we fundamentally transform into the one that we're here to follow. That's why baptism, we have a baptism, by the way, Joshua's getting baptized, college student, third service, so I'm excited about seeing that. And, and, and Drew, when he's baptizing him, will say, what? Buried with Christ, sin buried, sin dead, and now you're alive to walk this new life. Now you're alive in the power of the Spirit. Now you are alive. You're a different person. This is how Jesus says it in the text this morning. I want to read it again to you. Jesus doesn't say, go out and try to be salt and light. He doesn't say, go out and work really, really hard on your saltiness and your lightness. No, Jesus speaks um, a, a truth, a shocking truth. Those who are listening to me and following me, those who recognize who I am and are being obedient to me, those who are a part of my kingdom, he doesn't say go out and try to be. He says this, you are. And I just want to say to you, brothers and sisters, this morning, that if you have been united with Christ, I know it's probably been a struggle. I'm not saying you've done it perfectly God always knew you wouldn't do it perfectly. And that is why he sent Jesus in the first place. It's why he sent him with the purpose. Why? To give us instruction and to model what life in obedience to God really looks like. He did it perfectly. And in light of who he is and what he has said, he now says to those who want to follow him, to his disciples, that's really what the word means, right? Do you want to follow Jesus? Do you want to be his disciple? When we are his disciples, as we follow him in faith, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its taste, how can it be made salty? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. There's no way to resaltify salt. No, it literally becomes another product that looks a lot like just any kind of mineral that's on the ground that's not worth picking up. But before we throw it away, Jesus actually says, you are the salt of the earth. What, what does that mean? We, we really don't know, by the way. I mean, there's lots of things that salt could be used for. I usually think of it as like a, a, a seasoning agent, and that, that's true. It was used to season things. It was actually used to preserve things, to keep them in their fresh state. Um, It was actually used for um, uh, kind of in judgment. It was used in sacrifices. There's a number of things, and each commentator likes to take the thing that they believe Jesus is um, trying to underline here. I, I think if we just take all of the ideas about what salt is worth or what's the value of salt in society, we definitely get this. It has a purpose, a useful purpose to somehow influence whatever it is being put around. And, and Jesus says to his disciples, not go try to be, but you are. Like as you follow me, 
as you respond to me, as you hear my voice, as you hear my teaching, and as you follow my teaching, you are the salt of the earth. And then he continues on, and he says this, you are the light of the world. It's interesting, when I say to you, who is the light of the world? Most Christians go, Jesus. Who's the light of the world? That's Jesus. Jesus is the one who is the light of the world. True. But, but Jesus takes that statement. That's actually John's gospel where Jesus, I am the light of the world. Jesus says that I am the light of the world. He doesn't say that here in Matthew's gospel. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus says this. You are the light of the world. Those of you that choose to follow me, those of you that want to follow my instruction, those of you that want to model how I'm going to live, those of you that want to come after me, you are the light of the world. And, and, and then he says this, and a city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. And then he says this, so in the same way, let your light shine before others. Let the way that you live shine before others. Let your obedience to me, the way that you are following me, the model that you are coming after me, let that influence, let that shine, let that affect, let others take notice, let others beware that you are mine. Now do you see why he says, and persecution is going to come? Because why? Because a light that is a city on a hill can't be hidden. We know where the city is. And a light in a room, you don't go, where's the light? No, I see the light. It's a dark room and there's one light. It's right there. I see it. And, And Jesus says, that's what it looks like. That's the degree to which you and I stand out from everyone else around us. And, and, and by the way, you don't have to go home and try to find ways to do this. You don't have to say, wow, it's just so hard to stand out in our culture. It, it's not our job. Listen, it, it's not our job to try to stand out. You're asking the wrong question if what you're trying to do is to be different than your friends. This is where I think people who want to take the teachings of Jesus and use it for themselves. I, I want to be a better person. I bet you Jesus would be someone I could listen to. Hear me, you might in some level be a better person. I, I get what you're trying to drive at, but that's not the purposes of Jesus' instruction. Jesus' instruction, um, we're not trying to be different, we're trying to be followers of Jesus, and followers of Jesus are different. And, and this is why when we're talking about orange, this concept of training up your children so that they will also follow Jesus, the church and the, and the family coming together to model what it looks like to be followers of Jesus, we're not just trying to create kinder, um, more obedient, more uh, respectable children. We're, we're not trying to keep your high school student or your college student from making Uh, terrible life choices. Uh, We are here uh, to know who Jesus Christ is and to follow his instruction. And, And I think that's where we get it wrong. Christians asking, how can I be different? That's not the question. It's how can I be like Jesus? How can I be like Jesus? And that's why everyone who begins to go to church and believe that they have found something different at some point will become disillusioned, will become dissatisfied, will become very discouraged with the church. 
But those people who decide to know Jesus and follow Jesus have a completely different set of expectations or demands. And so this is how Jesus says it. I hope you have your Bibles with you. By the way, you can even like scan on your phone if you want. I just want to walk through what it actually looks like to be a follower of Jesus this morning by looking at the Sermon on the Mount and to just remind you, to, to make you aware of just how radical and how um, even I, what I love about the Sermon on the Mount working through it this week was it was amazing how in small pieces it was very doable. It was very manageable. Now you might say, well, that's because we have the Holy Spirit in us. I think that is true. Or we have Jesus' instruction and I would say that is true. I'm grateful for both the Holy Spirit dwelling in me and the word of God that has been provided for me. But in this sermon, as Jesus is relating it to his disciples, sure there are high demands and sure the expectations are great, You can even look at it, right? Jesus actually says, beginning in verses 17 through 20, don't think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've not come to abolish them. I've come there to fulfill them, which is how he knows you can't do this. I've come here to fulfill this. And then he says, verse 20, and unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, surely you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. What is he describing there? He is describing this radical change that is for each of us. And here's what he says. Follow along in the Sermon on the Mount. We are no longer interested in just not being murderers. We guard our hearts against anger. We no longer are interested in just trying to keep our marriages together and not committing adultery. No, we now guard our hearts against lust. We are faithful to our marriages and we don't just get divorced when things become easy. Instead of being people that are willing to swear on a stack of Bibles, no, we keep our word even when it hurts. When someone bothers us and creates difficult things for us, we are willing to walk a second mile for them. Not only are we willing to put up with our enemies, but we will actually love our enemies and we will pray for them. We will actually give without seeking recognition. You don't need to see on the new children's building the Jim Johnson Memorial Children's Center. No, I'm more than glad to give in private. We will actually try to pray, and we are not doing it just to seek the, uh, the, the, kind of the, uh, the impression or the others recognizing how spiritual I am, but I know that I am praying to my Father in heaven. We actually pray seeking God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in his world, in his realm. We actually fast, seeking God's recognition and reward, and not so that you would go, wow, that Jim Johnson, he sure is spiritual. We give our resources, not so that we can build a kingdom for ourselves, but we give so that God's kingdom might increase. This one really speaks to me. We are not anxious about the simple things in life, for we believe that God will provide and protect us We are anxious. We're not anxious, but instead we are trusting. We are not judgmental. Doesn't mean we don't make judgments, but we are not judgmental when we judge. And instead, we really know who God is, and we ask, and we search, and we knock, believing that God is good and kind and generous, and that God will respond when we go out and seek him. We will walk on a narrow path that most people will reject, and we will enter through a narrow door which most people will not enter through. And then he ends with the Sermon on the Mount. I'm now at the very end of it, chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. We will build our lives on his teachings. 
and not on the teachings of the world. So when the judgment comes, when the storms come, we will endure. (sighs) Too hard? Is Jesus' teaching too hard? Well, well, listen, I, I get it. It sure does look difficult. But it's not too hard. It is more than doable. Why? Because Jesus has given us the model. Jesus has given us a picture of what it looks like in his own life. Jesus has even given us um, a, a description of this in his words. And if it, was, if it would be completely inappropriate and wrong for Moses, the Lord through Moses, to give a set of expectations that the children of Israel could never measure up to, how much more so for Jesus? Why would Jesus give us all of these things and then believe that we could never do it? But I really don't want you to hear me say this morning at all. And so now what we need to go do is we need to go try to be this. We need to go do, listen, there is effort involved, but it is an effort out of obedience. Is it an effort out of understanding God's plan and purpose? And I just want to change one thing because I want you to recognize that you have an incredible opportunity There are a lot of people right now that are looking in the world for signs of God and who he is. And and really, the word and the spirit and you. Jesus says, you are the salt and the light of the world. But, But more than that, Jesus actually seems to insinuate rather strongly that you are the salt and the light of your world. So brothers and sisters, knowing who Jesus Christ is, I pray that you trust him. And I pray that you meditate on these things. And that you don't worry about trying to do it perfectly all the time. But you do it faithfully so that he can be seen through you. Let me pray. God, thank you for your instruction, for your words to us. And may they be true, not only randomly, but may they be true in our own lives, and in our own examples. May people see you living through us and glorify you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.